When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've passed on all we know. The Jedi were real. I used to wonder about that myself. Thought it was a bunch of mumbo jumbo. The Force will be with you. Always. Magical power holding together good and evil, the dark side and the light. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Crazy thing is. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. The ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the Force. All right, let's talk about Star Wars. Well, Again, but so excited it is finally here. The Star Wars world premiere. The movie is pure escapism, no big social message. But these days, with the way the world is, there is a lot to escape from. I didn't like the bit when the man chopped off um, the person's arm. Why not? In the... Because there was blood. Oh, but don't we like blood? No. Now, the movie Star Wars broke all kinds of box office records when it was originally released in 1977. And the mantra, may the force be with you, became a phrase forever remembered. Are there any of you that think this is going to be a lousy movie? No! In the years after the first trilogy, a group of dedicated followers took those wars to a deeper level, creating their own religion called Jediism. Tens of thousands of faithful believe in the power of the Force and adhere to the Jedi Code, much as Obi-Wan and Yoda. People are counting on us. The galaxy is counting on us. Solo, we'll figure it out. We'll use the Force. That's not how the Force works. Hello and welcome to Science-ish. I'm Rick Edwards, joined as ever by Dr. Michael Brooks. Hello. Uh, so you're leading. I'm leading, week. yep, yep. What have you got for me? Uh, Star Wars. Oh! Only Star Wars. And uh, is it a coincidence that there's a new Star Wars out, The Rise of Skywalker? I mean, I think they coincided it. Oh, they heard we were doing this. They heard we were doing this podcast. They thought we better get a new film out. Uh And uh, so it's it's sort of not a coincidence. No, I think think Disney decided that they wanted to get on the back of our coattails. And just, uh, Is that definitely uh, the phrase, get on the back of the no, coattails? <laughs> Hop on the back of my coattails. <laughs> You're in for a wild ride. I think it's a new phrase that people are going to love. Um, so are we talking about a specific film here, or are we... No, so we what we're going to do is kind of look at the Star Wars universe yeah, and kind of, you okay, know, let's, okay. let's just take the whole thing. What's our big question then? Well, I mean, it, it couldn't really get much bigger than this. The question we're asking is, is the Force a real thing? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, no. You you wait, you wait. This will be interesting. But it's um, just a flat no. It's not a flat no, because it depends how you define it. How oh, you, I see. How you wanna, <laughs> oh, very clever. How you want to kind of, you know, think about how the Force works. And, you know, there's lots of interesting science, actually, that sort of plays into this whole concept of the Force. You, so there. You're going to have to work very hard to convince me this is an absolute crock. <laughs> not a problem. Not a problem who's at all. Our, uh, who's our Yoda? 
<laughs> Who's guiding us? Well, uh, so we have found the absolute don for this. Uh, none other than Patrick Johnson, an assistant teaching professor of physics at Georgetown University and crucially the author of a book called The Physics of Star Wars, The Science oh. Behind a Galaxy Far, Far Away. That sounds quite good. And if you did have any money left over after buying our book for Christmas, get involved, yeah, by all means. Yeah. Uh, what did we ask him? So first we asked him about basically how well the force in the films compares to the four fundamental forces in physics. The force in the Star Wars movies is an energy field created by all living things. It is kind of this ever-present field that some people are sensitive to, some creatures are sensitive to, and it is able to influence things across the galaxy and presumably the entire universe. The force bears some resemblance to forces we see in our universe, and I think the best way to think about it is via process of elimination. So in physics, we have four fundamental forces, the strong nuclear force, the weak nuclear force, gravity, and electromagnetism. And the strong nuclear force and the weak nuclear force only work over very, very short distances. We're talking smaller than the size of an atom level distances. And we clearly see the force in Star Wars act over much larger distances than the size of an atom. So those two would be eliminated out of the gate. The force is not a power you have. It's not about lifting rocks. It's the energy between all things, the tension, the balance that binds the universe together. Okay. But what is it? Gravity can work over very long distances, but as far as we know in our universe, gravity is only an attractive force. And we certainly see force pushes and other uh, types of force interactions that would not match what we see from gravity. And so that really only leaves electromagnetism, which does actually bear some resemblance to the force in that it can be attractive, it can be repulsive, so you could do your force jumps, your force pushes, your force pulls, but also it is what allows us to interact with charged particles like electrons and positive ions, etc. I feel something. You feel it? Yes, I feel it. That's the force. Really? Wow, it must be really strong oh, you. I've never felt anything. Ow! You think of your hand exerting a force on your water bottle to take a drink, but Really what's going on is it's the electrons and the atoms of your hand interacting with the electrons and the atoms of your water bottle that allow you to pick things up. And so when it comes to thinking about the powers that the force does, pushing somebody over or pulling something towards you or jumping where you can jump exceptionally high is just amplifying the electromagnetic interaction over larger distances. Your arrogance blinds you, Master Yoda. Now you will experience the full power of the dark side. Another force power is that of force lightning. Force lightning is quite literally the most direct example of the force being an electromagnetic force or electromagnetic interaction, because here the force is generating actual electricity. And to generate electricity like that, it has to be able to interact electromagnetically according to the laws of physics. And thus, that means that even if the force is some fifth fundamental force in our universe as yet undiscovered, it has to be able to interact electromagnetically to be able to create lightning. Yeah, all right. I mean, I like the guy. <laughs> so so we've ruled out the strong and weak nuclear forces. Yeah. Because they, they only act uh, over such small distances, yeah, yeah, nuclear yeah, distances. Yeah. We've ruled out gravity. Yeah. Because gravity, 
as well as being extraordinarily weak. Yeah. That's only attractive as far as we know. Yeah. Although there's some spicy stuff about that, isn't there? What about... uh, well, well, whether, whether you, you can have a kind of repulsive gravity, anti-gravity. Yeah, so whether the, the um, I went to, uh, get get ready. Oh, here we go. Ready? ready? I went to, uh, it's not a big deal, really. I went to CERN. Oh, yeah! yeah. <laughs> and, uh, went to the, uh, get, get ready again, went to the antimatter factory. Oh, see? Thank you. Uh, and they're, they're doing some interesting stuff where yeah. they're trying to, so they're obviously, as the name suggests, making antimatter, and they want to do an experiment to see if antimatter, when they drop it, might actually sort of fall upwards. It won't, will it? Why did you go there anyway? Why did I go there? Yeah, to yeah. make uh, a thing for YouTube called the Edge of Science, which is oh that out yeah, yeah. now, right on on YouTube. Yeah, it's nice. I I, uh, I investigate levitation. It's pretty cool. You, I mean, yes, the, I mean, yeah, you, you almost you also, should be leading this. Yes, really. Also, you know, you know all this because you were the science advisor. Yeah, I, know, <laughs> I didn't pay much attention to be honest. Just took the money. Um, so, so we've got rid of uh, gravity because we know that the force can kind of repel and uh, and uh, and attract. So we've gone with yeah, electromagnetism. It's the only one left. It's so electromagnetism, <laughs> but in fairness, acts over distances, repulsive and attractive. Yeah, okay. The films, I assume, don't really scientifically explain what the force is. Do <laughs> no, they? no. I mean, the films, <laughs> really goes to much. The detail. films are quite vague, and I think George well, that's Lucas fair was. Play. Yeah. So the original one, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi says, "You know, the force surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together." So yeah, that's okay. kind of almost as much as you get, really. Almost like an energy field. Yeah, effectively. Mm. And, and of course, I mean, you can sort of tell from the whole sort of aspect of the film, it's sort of based loosely on Eastern religions, that idea. I mean, you can almost interchange chi and the idea of like yeah, chi energy say, and all that kind of, like, of stuff. Like Tai Chi stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, action at a distance, so you like that, that stuff where, like a Tai Chi master who can like yeah. knock someone over. Yeah. While standing, you know, a meter away yeah, from them, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, which obviously is a sort of psychological thing rather than a natural force. That, yeah, that, yeah. That I mean, vibe. so, uh, so I mean, people have sort of said we should think of the force more like an ecosystem rather than an energy field. So, what? so it's like because it, it interacts with all. It's not just living things. It's not just living matter. It's inanimate matter as well. Yeah. Mm. So, um, you know, we've sort of had this idea around for quite a long time, and we it's very normal to us now, right? Yeah. To think of ecosystems and interactions with, you know, the, the planet and the kind of resources that we use. But mm-hmm. actually, you know, that's an idea that, that uh, scientists came up with uh, back in the 1930s. There was a guy called Arthur Tansley. And he basically said, you know, we need to sort of start thinking about not just vegetation and not just living stuff, but actually the rocks, the soil that it grows in, the um, sunlight. Sunlight is not an animate thing it's an inanimate thing right. but effectively it, it feeds into living things or living things yeah. feed off it yeah. and they store away its energy and uh, they keep it as chemical energy in a plant and and so you've got all this kind of interaction between organic and inorganic stuff that sort of flows both ways it flows between them so so it's sort of like you know you've got this flow in and out of of the soil you've got um you know th- living things storing energy that comes from Plants the sun turning sunlight into into food exactly yeah, yeah. that we then eat okay. yeah yeah so tansley is like he's thinking really you know on, on big scale so he he basically said you can think of an ecosystem as being of any size whatsoever. So um, he said a solar system, a planet, a climatic region, a plant or an animal community, an individual organism, an organic molecule or an atom. 
So it's so kind they're of like, all ecosystems. Yeah, they're all okay. all different kinds of ecosystems. I get that in that sense we are all connected, and that's that's like the force. Fine, yeah. but that doesn't explain why the force has you know the light side and the dark side, and like how is it guiding characters to do certain things. So this all comes down to the midichlorians. Oh, from the Phantom Menace. <laughs> the midichlorians. You're kidding are me. Not, no, they're not just from the Phantom Menace. Well, so, they are. No, because it's uh, basically people have found George Lucas's notes back in 1977. So the original Star Wars film is a surprising hit. Hang on, hang on. Can I tell you Before what I you were born. Can I say what I think's happened here? You what? know when you were at school and you had to do uh, like a history bit of homework and you had to make an old document and so you'd like <laughs> burn the edges and like put a tea stain on it. That's what Lucas has done here. He's cut, he'd like, he's been come up with for the Phantom Menace and he's like, no, 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 look at this old ye olde document from 1977 I made. <laughs> it's bollocks. Yeah, I don't think in 1977 they were like burning the edges of documents. <laughs> yeah, but how else are you going to make it look old? Come oh, on. I don't know. Yeah. We're to school. Wrap it in a Queen's Silver Jubilee mug. <laughs> That's a good reference. <laughs> Um, so, so anyway, so he he had these notes after the success of Star Wars, where he was having to, mm-hmm. you know, sort of make and explain stuff away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically make notes for how he was going to expand the whole universe. Yeah, yeah. and in one of these notes, he says uh, it said that certain creatures are born with a higher awareness of the Force mm-hmm. than others, and their brains are different. Uh, they have more midichlorians in their cells, so it was there right from the beginning, really. So his idea is that you basically have these sentient microscopic life forms inside living cells. Yeah. And they're the things that basically sort of speak to the Jedi and and transmit the will of the Force, if you like. Conduit between the Force and... I mean, he's basically just read about mitochondria, <laughs> hasn't he? <laughs> just thought, Almost certainly. I'll, uh, I'll have that, and I'll just... Yeah. Uh, mitochondria, midichlorian. Yeah, say, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I mean, the weird thing is, about that time as well, was when um, Lynn Margulis was putting forward this whole idea of endosymbiosis, where the idea was that... Um, our ancient cells in evolutionary ancient terms had like absorbed bacteria and put them to mm-hmm. work, mm-hmm. which is where we get, you know, mitochondria, which sort of power the cells. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah, we spoke a bit about this in the Jaws episode. Yeah. So, so yeah. this is one of those things where, you know, it seems like he, he might have well have been reading like popular science magazine or something and thought, sure, oh, I'll have a bit of that. But, um, so anyway, so I think it's a bit like, you know, you know, the selfish gene hypothesis where all of our actions are effectively controlled by the fact that our genes want to A, replicate and mm-hmm. B, look after their own. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, that's where you get kin selection from. The fact that yeah. you will, you will be nicer to people who are genetically closer to you than people who are further away genetically. Game of Thrones episode. Anyone? <laughs> 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 and there's a sweet spot. <laughs> so, um, so I think you know you can think of the the um, the midichlorians a bit like that. Really, it's like you know they're in there, they're in the cells, they're kind of you know controlling some of what goes on and transmitting the will of the force. So it's not a like complete stretch away from reality. Yes, it's a bit like that, and it's also a little bit like saying that they are if they're living in a in an organism and influencing it. Like a parasite, isn't it? Sort of like a parasite. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, it's, it's almost worse than a parasite, isn't it? In some ways, because it's you know, it's like this is the thing that's sort of controlling everything. So it's not just living off you, but actually telling you what to do. So it's like the the mind control parasites that you get in. Yeah, uh, that's that's what in, I mean. No, in that, cat shit. Those those naughty ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Toxoplasma gondii. Yeah. So I mean, that's where it basically uh, controls the brain function in mice, doesn't it? Yeah. 
So it makes them not scared of cats. Yeah, they basically jump into the arms of cats. And, um, and it happens to humans as well. There's some study that said we've got like a, a third of us have a, an infection of Toxoplasma gondii and it changes our behaviours. Cats and- are sort of hypnotised us somehow. With their feces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. You've come into contact. I mean, you've got a cat. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, you've probably yeah. got this. Constantly cleaning out that bloody tray. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't lick it clean. I mean, that's my advice. <laughs> well, I, I didn't used to, and then somehow I just, like, <laughs> now I feel like I want to. <laughs> the DeGlorians are a microscopic life form that resides within all living cells. They live inside me. Inside yourselves, yes. And we are symbionts with them. Symbionts? Life forms living together for mutual advantage. Without the Midichlorians, life could not exist. And we would have no knowledge of the Force. Are you, are you basically telling me that Luke Skywalker's got a load of midichlorians in his tummy and they're just trying to reproduce? Uh, effectively. <laughs> I mean, they, they must have to, mustn't they? They must have to reproduce if they're like effectively living organisms or do they live forever? I mean, genes replicate themselves, don't they? So, yes. so I guess I guess the midichlorians replicate themselves and they use Luke Skywalker as a means of doing it. Oh, so they're starting to feel a bit like viruses now. Oh, yeah. Using him. But, I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. so we're, we've got all kinds of biological metaphors and, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. substitutes. So, so actually, you know, it looks like maybe George Lucas was onto something. Yes, okay. But if I can... I mean, there's there's so many holes to pick in this, obviously. But... Um, <laughs> If let, let's say that I, I accept that uh, you you could have something like midichlorians in all living things, yeah, um, conducting the force, then how come you know Jedi's are able to use the force to move an object like a like a lightsaber without touching it when that is not alive? Have you never heard of spooky action at a distance? Is this quantum quantum entanglement? Oh God! So. Some people talk about quantum entanglement possibly being similar to the Force, or maybe an explanation for the Force. And to understand what quantum entanglement is requires a deep understanding of quantum mechanics as a whole. But kind of on the basic level, the idea behind quantum entanglement is that two particles in a lab can be caused to be tied together in some way, where the properties of one affect the properties of another. And so if I made measurements of the properties of the first particle, I will know things about the properties of the second particle without ever paying attention to it. And this will be true even if you spread those particles out over long distances. I felt a great disturbance in the force, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. I fear something terrible has happened. We're just starting to understand quantum entanglement. There is a lot of interesting advancements going on. And so right now, it is a thing that requires very sensitive materials and careful setup. But in theory, someday we may be able to create quantumly entangled particles over long distances without as careful of a setup. In the Star Wars movies, we see uh, Jedi's affect things at a large distance. Large-scale things like macroscopic objects pulling a lightsaber or pushing over a droid. And this is a lot larger scale than what we do in our labs today with individual photons or individual atoms being quantumly entangled. But the idea that we could have the ability to entangle two things so that the manipulation of something close to me affects something far away could be a way to explain what we're seeing in the Force. Just, it's going to take a whole lot of scientific advancement to get there. So, 
in quantum, you can you can link entangle tiny particles, separate them, and they remain linked regardless of distance. And if you do something to one, it will the same thing immediately happens to the other. Yes, not quite. Go so, on. so um, I mean the the sort of. <laughs> The problem with this is that people think of it as like, oh, it's entangled, therefore it's like a remote control. I can just touch this one and this one changes. But actually, the reality of it is that, you know, these quantum things have undefined properties, right? Mm -hmm. So when you measure one of them, Mm -hmm. what happens is that then you will affect the outcome of a subsequent measurement on the other one. So so they have non-definite... In a predictable way. In a way that makes it slight... So it's all statistics, so oh, okay, so yeah. so it makes it slightly more probable that you'll get a certain outcome depending on the outcome of that first measurement. Mm-hmm. So from that first measurement you can say oh I've changed the probability of getting this outcome on the other one. So yeah. it's a lot more subtle than people want it to be. Okay. I mean, you know, people, but it is having an effect. It is having an effect, and and you know, I've I've talked to a lot of quantum physicists about this. One of them who's done the most experiments on this a guy called Nicolas Gisin at the University of Geneva, and he he says you know there's something happening outside of space and time. Because they can't account for how this Hello. this thing can happen, right? Yeah, so, okay. so the idea is you've got some kind of influence that's mm-hmm. definitely faster than light, if you want to talk about it in those terms. You know, it's sort I of do, breaking yes. the, the laws of relativity. Mm-hmm. And he said the only way you can kind of account for it is to say, oh, it happens outside of the kind of physical dimensions of our universe. It happens outside of space and time. In, in, in another dimension or just entirely... Well, nobody knows. Right. So, so, so we don't really know anything about how it happens. We know it happens. It's like routine technology now. Mm-hmm. So this is what we use for quantum cryptography. And, and it's, it's so kind of almost banal. You can buy off-the-shelf stuff that uses quantum entanglement. Well, like in Lidl. Not in Lidl. Probably on no. that middle aisle. No, but Nicolas Gisam will sell, sell you. fucking everything. <laughs> middle aisle. You want a beach ball? No problem. You want some quantum entanglement stuff? Yeah, go on. You want an enormous pack of biscuits that look like foxes but aren't. Wolves. <laughs> um, so you've got this kind of weird thing, but you can't use it to do direct manipulation of something. But that aside, the other thing is that we are talking about, like, tiny particles not larger objects yeah i mean we we've sort of entangled some larger things so um so there was a a a finnish group in in um 2018 yeah they managed to entangle together two sort of vibrating drum heads effectively uh, which were almost big enough to Mm. see by eye not quite really yeah yeah so so they weren't like tiny microscopic things i mean they were they were sort of you know all so what you've got like billions of atoms trillions Really? Trillions of atoms. They've entangled that? Entangled together. And then, That's cool. And so, so, you know, they're not like big, big, but, no, but no, it's but getting towards yeah, the kind progress. of... Progress. Yeah. So, so it's not a lightsaber. <laughs> no, not, not yet. Are, are there atoms in me that could be entangled with other atoms? Yes. So if I could then amplify those connections somehow... Then you, know? you could say you have some kind of connection. Mm. But, I mean, it's, that's a, I mean... That's a big step from, you know, your, your kind of midichlorians telling mm. you to pull your lightsaber mm. over mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. to be able to do that. I mean, they're all quite big steps. Also, <laughs> 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 it's all it sort of starts sounding like a quantum Ponzi scheme. <laughs> it's like just a bit, you just entangle a bit more. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, I mean, obviously, it's 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 all a little bit of a stretch. But having said that, you know, we. 
we have our atoms, right? You know, we're made up of atoms and they yeah. individually behave in these really weird ways. Mm-hmm. And we don't understand why we as objects mm-hmm. don't behave in those weird ways. Mm-hmm. But you have, you know, certainly the component parts of us and the, the component parts of us are no different to the component parts of, you know, whatever else, you know, a table or, or a lightsaber, effectively yeah. just atoms behaving according yeah. to these quantum yeah. laws. Yeah. So, you know, if there is a connection between all these things and you can have entanglement between any sets of atoms that you like, then you could sort of have this kind of sense that we're just connected to everything else. And, and you know, what we think of as our you know, conscious will is just something flowing out of all the atoms that's within us. When I met you, you were like a serious science journalist. <laughs> Listen to yourself. <laughs> It's so so new age. <laughs> See, I I mean I, I understand why you say that, but I have a huge problem with all this stuff because because you know as soon as Nikola Shishan said to me, "Oh yeah, it acts outside of space and time," I'm like, "All bets are off." It's like yeah. you can't you can't just tell me that and then expect me to kind of deal with reality. And there's you know there's the idea of uh, for instance super determinism, which says all all the particles in the universe are entangled together and are just sort of existing in this state of entanglement where they interact with each other. I mean, this is Gerard Tohoft, who's a Nobel Prize winning physicist who's come up with this idea to kind of explain the weird quantum phenomena that exist. Uh And he says, you know, we sort of think we have free will and we think we have consciousness, Mm -hmm. but all that's going on is that we, you know, it's an illusion that's created by the patterns of entanglements between all of the kind of atoms in the universe. And it's been there since the Big Bang. So super determinism, the the vibe of that is... If you knew the initial conditions of everything, yeah, then you would technically, with a big old computer, uh, be able to predict everything that follows. Yeah, as long as you knew the entanglement situation. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know the entanglements, you know initial conditions, then everything else is predictable. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that means that yeah, of course, there's no such thing as free will or yeah everything is determined yeah everything is as yeah. it was always going yeah. to be and gerard he has a nobel prize you know he's not an idiot yeah yeah but you don't believe it do you i don't well, so, but then in a way like it's quite hard to argue against yeah yeah so like, why why would it i used to not believe it uh-huh. now i'm kind of quite open to it mm-hmm. mm. so you know weird quantum shit nobody can explain you have a set of sort of interpretations of what it might mean, including like the multiverse, you know, when we looked at Rick and Morty, all that kind of stuff. And you have all these alternate realities possibly, and you have super determinism and you have time symmetry. So the kind of awareness of what's going to happen in the future that sort of you get in the Star Wars universe that comes through the force. And actually, you know, this issue of time and causality and knowing the past and the future, that's kind of all open in quantum physics as well. So Jedis have demonstrated the ability to have some levels of precognition. And it's certainly a stretch to think that we are capable of doing this in our universe. But there are signs that our thoughts are predictable prior to us having them. Maybe not in the form of having a forced vision of the future or kind of like a spider sense being uh, aware of what Blaster is about to shoot at you for you to be able to defend. But... A lot of what we see in physics is very deterministic. Quantum mechanics throws a wrench into this because quantum mechanics is the thing that breaks all the rules that we seem to learn in our uh, classical systems. But if things are deterministic, then in theory, given 
sufficient information about the input parameters, we should be able to predict precisely what the output would be. I saw a city in the clouds. Hmm. What did you have there? They were in pain. It is the future you see. Future. Most systems that we see in our universe that are large and complex often are what we call chaotic systems, where they are perfectly deterministic. And if we knew every possible piece of input information, we could predict precisely the future states of uh, whatever system we're talking about. But the thing about a chaotic system is just very tiny changes in one little bit will create a radically different outcome. And so even if it is theoretically possible to predict uh, the future using these deterministic systems, it may be an impossibility to execute because it would require too precise a knowledge of the input conditions of kind of where everybody is and what they're thinking at that moment uh, to be able to predict the outcome. Kid, I've flown from one side of this galaxy to the other. I've seen a lot of strange stuff, but I've never seen anything to make me believe there's one all-powerful force controlling everything. There's no mystical energy field controls my destiny. So... If I'm going to be a proper Jedi, which is quite a big if. Yeah. Um, Maybe as I a need, New Year's resolution. Yeah. I need, you know, some sweet mind powers. Yeah. Um, how am I going to communicate uh, telepathically like the Jedi can do? That's pretty easy. And we'll just is it use... quantum? No, it's not quantum. Good. It's, good, good, it's good, uh, good. brain implants. So all you need is a kind of connection, an interface uh-huh. with your brain uh-huh. and, and a way to interface with other brains. And actually, you can communicate without speaking, which is basically what telepathy yeah. is, isn't it? So, so um, there was an experiment earlier this year when uh, they wired three people together, mm-hmm. direct brain-to-brain communication. One of them was doing a kind of Tetris thing, so it had to know whether to twist a block or something yeah, to fit it yeah, into a pattern. Yeah, yeah. And the other two could see whether the block needed twisting. Right. And they were basically they were wired up so that their brain signals were sent to the third person, and they learned to interpret these signals. I, I, I can't describe what it must be like to receive somebody else's no, brain signals no. and how you interpret them. But anyway, so they did this, and the other two would be able to basically buy... It's a sort of binary system. I think it was by focusing on a high-frequency flashing light or a low-frequency flashing light, uh-huh. and the high frequency was, yes, you need to twist it. And there was enough brain activity registered because mm-hmm, of these lights mm-hmm. that that got sent to the third guy... And he could, could kind of tell. Yeah, he could decode it. And just... This is a blunt instrument, though, isn't it? This is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is very yeah. much not well, you know, you've got to sending start your somewhere. thoughts to someone. This you've got is to start just... somewhere, haven't you? I mean, it is that sense of, like, you can decode signals and you can just send them straight to other people, effectively, and they can learn to decode them. So that's a kind of telepathy. Yeah, okay. Um, this and... is all sort of, this is Elon Musk territory, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. So He's I was going to say, it. his Neuralink mm-hmm. program is basically an implant so you get like a, you know, effectively a, a USB sort of stick embedded in your head. The, uh, uh, no, thank you. No? You're no. Not up for that. No. So, I mean, Keep the USB out of my head. <laughs> well, you know, you need some way of transferring data, don't you? Yeah. So, so, uh, so he's planning to do it. And, and he's basically, they're, they're working on it. They've got animal models that are working. Of course so I think you, know, yeah. you can go online and look at this rat with a USB interface in its skull. Which is, oh, isn't great, maybe. Oh, but no, he, he's got electrodes, um, sort of a, a chip that you can implant, basically. Uh, and it will uh, talk to the neurons. 
Right. And you have it so that it's like, I think it's got like a thousand and twenty-four electrodes, so it's a huge array. Mm. That Those are linked to things on the surface where you can just sort of, once you've implanted the, the, the implant, then you don't need to disturb it again. You just have this interface where you can right. just plug new data in. So the idea is that you can stimulate the brain, you can talk to the brain, you can read off the brain. And, you know, it's sort of, you know, these, these things are so, technologically now, we're getting so good at making these micro electrodes, like thinner than a blood cell kind of thing. So, so we can start to really interface properly with the neurons in the brain and start to read the signals coming out and maybe feed the signals in and, um, and you know, it's small Bluetooth to them. But they might, yes, fine. We're making these if things If you don't want a USB smaller, interface, we'll Bluetooth to you. But they are still invasive. Like you're still literally putting things into my brain, aren't you? Yes, but we already do that with like Parkinson's patients. Mm. They mm. get electrodes that, that help sort of calm, I think it's the, is it the hypothalamus? And they just stop the tremors using electrodes. Right. So, you know, we're doing this already quite successfully. And this is the next level. And basically, you'll be able to sort of access thoughts at a conceptual level. So, so the, I mean, the, the Musk program effectively mm-hmm. eventually wants to be able to, you know, sort of be in a position where you can just take people's thoughts and, and digitize them and put them on a screen or whatever. Facebook. Facebook are talking about producing a headset that mm-hmm. will transfer thoughts directly to your computer. So you won't need to type or, or you know, press buttons or anything. And they, I mean, the Facebook see this as a like, oh, this is interesting, mm. fun tech mm. uh, with no downsides whatsoever. So, uh, you know, so we're getting to the point. I mean, I wouldn't exactly call it telepathy, but, you know, direct brain communication is becoming possible now. Yeah, but I, I think because when when you talk about, you know, a, a neural link and, you know, controlling computers with your mind and sort of thinking a thing and. Like, that is a long, long way off because we don't really understand any of the electrical patterns involved with a thought. Oh, I disagree. So I would say that we don't know them yet because we haven't really done anything with them. But it will only take a bit of practice to be able to kind of decode. I mean, you see, like, the the thing that I talked about, the guys doing Tetris. Yeah. You know, nobody really knew how that was going to work, but they just linked them up. And they start sort of basically sending thoughts to each other. And it turns out that they, they can learn to decode those thoughts and successfully sort of twist or not that block. Yeah, but it's a, that's a binary operation where the thought... So, for example, if I just think you need to twist it, they're not decoding that, that thought. What's happening is I'm going, you need to twist it. And then I'm thinking... Fast intense flashing, flashing light, light. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then that's going over to them. they're going yeah. ah intense flashing light ah that corresponds to that's that's rubbish no i don't agree that that's rubbish, <laughs> that it's, all, rubbish. it's not rubbish because all it means is you have an intermediary so yeah. you have you have something that's like thinking intense flashing light uh, uh, and then you just have something that encodes that just in the same way that we encode you know computer programs into binary yeah, but this—they're this, just—they're just ones and zeros. You can say, "Oh, that's rubbish. That's not actually an instruction." But, but no, you no, can—you can encode it. Y- yeah, but not if we're having to do the decoding of something that's beyond binary. Like, I'm not going to start decoding with my own brain a sequence of ones and zeros. No, but I think it won't be long before you can kind of start to effectively think in a language that enables a mm. machine to to decode what you're thinking. I don't think that's too I far just, away. There's so, there's so many neurons. <laughs> there's just so many neurons. Yeah, but there's so many neurons, but you don't have any problem thinking. So, no, so, no, I don't. Well, no, I mean, that I, is true. I've just realised what <laughs> I've said That's very true. There. <laughs> 
But, you know, so what I'm saying is you shouldn't get hung up on the details of the system because they kind mm. of sort themselves out once you've got the thing up and running. So, you know, your brain thinks in a certain way, which mm. is probably more complex than the brain of a C. elegans thinks. Yes, my favourite. So, one. but there's still neurons involved in both things. It's just yeah. a different level of abstraction, if you like, yeah. than thoughts. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that once you get to a certain point with the brain, you know, it just will find a way to, mm. to decode those signals or encode those signals in a way that the brain can... I mean, you know, this will be what effectively artificial intelligence and machine learning enables us to do, isn't it? It's like yeah. you just train stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. Why is the force connecting us? You and I. Murderous snake! You're too late. You lost. I found Skywalker. You're not doing this. The effort would kill you. Can you see my surroundings? You're going to pay for what you did. I can't see yours. Just you. Uh, okay, let's do a rundown then. I mean, this is a big old subject. Uh, is the Force a real thing? Well, I mean, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> but does it have some real-world parallels for sure? Yeah, yeah. There are interesting things out there that added together and expanded on you know, would add up to something equivalent to the Force. Yeah, I think that's the thing. If you could pull together a lot of different weird things, you might be able to cobble together something that resembled the Force. So there's um, a Christmas holiday project for you all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. That was... Um... I don't know, it was the most Christmassy episode we could have done. <laughs> but, but that is the fault of the release schedule of The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I mean, they didn't make any effort to be Christmassy, did they? No, they didn't. Maybe in the lightsaber colours, but that's kind of it. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Have a, have a lovely Christmas, and we will see you in the new year. May the Force be with you. Oh, God. Science-ish is a Radio Wolfgang production presented by me, Rick Edwards, and Dr. Michael Brooks. It was produced by Eli Block. The executive producer was Harry Watson. Special thanks to Patrick Johnson. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks, it really helps. And you can also find us on Twitter at science underscore ish. And we do have a book out. Hollywood wants to kill you. I had lunch with my father recently. He kept saying, instead of saying, like, put that into Google, he would say, dial that into Google. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it just became like, yeah, I like couldn't dial. stop yeah, saying good. dial. Like, everything on the internet is just dial it in. Yeah, that's no, good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs>